Hello and welcome to some Derps Talk About Games. I'm your co-host, Mango. And I'm your co-host, Buddy. And this week, we're going to finish up our discussion from last week and venture into new territory as well. Before we do that, Buddy, why don't you tell the folks at home what we do on this podcast? Well, uh, this podcast is fairly straightforward because uh, it's exactly what it says on the tin. We like to talk about games. Um, last week, uh, we actually have a lot of th- stuff to talk about, actually, because we did play both Rune Lords and Hell's Rebels, right? Um, because yes. we recorded right before Hell's Rebels last week, and uh, and we played a, uh, a kind of miniature, uh, just kind of due to time weird timing stuff, uh, of of Rune Lords, and um, uh, yeah, I, I you know in in Rune Lords we uh, we just kind of continued the fight. We fought Lamitar Baden, um, who is the the zombified Black Arrows leader. Who was killed fairly straightforwardly, to be honest, because Nick uh, Rufus got a pretty powerful sne- set of sneak attacks off with his greater invisibility, and then I got a critical strike on my stylish opening that kind of just like two shot him. Um, yeah, but yeah, you know, <laughs> it is what it is. Pretty simple, pretty clean. Wouldn't wonder. Just tried to dispel a bunch of things. Was moderately successful. Um, I have to say, I was very proud of that Vuvuzela joke I made. Yes, it was good. Uh, it was pretty funny. Uh, I, you know, I, it's one of those things that nobody ever thinks about, but, like, sometimes, especially in these really, really high-level fights, you can get into kind of that weird situation of um, the the fight gets really spread out, right? Yeah. And, and people get super far away, so I thought it was, I don't know, I thought it was pretty funny for Enoch to have pointed that out. Um, but, uh, but, yeah. Yeah, no, it was, uh, it was, it was, it was an entertaining session to say the least. Um, and it, it was, it was, it was action packed. Um, but it was kind of short. Uh, I don't think there's much more to say about that. Um, yeah, I don't think so either. On the other hand, Hell's Rebels. <laughs> you guys fought my amazing raid boss with raid boss mechanics. <laughs> um, what was his name? Ithanothor, the uh, the shadow dragon, um, the one where Buddy didn't let let Mango do any of his tricks. <laughs> Can I open the door this way? No, the doors are a foot and a half thick of stone. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, you know, whatever, right? I, yeah. I I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna. Oh get, sure. I'm not going to apologize for building mechanics and then sticking to them, right? It would have sucked if, you know, like if the wood waterer was here and he just stone shaped the door, I would have been a little pressed. I think. No, that's <laughs> that, that that's fair. Um I was honestly, I was just trying to like get light to appear. Um and then that was that was it. Like I was just trying to break open the door that way that some light poured in. Um I also didn't don't see like I guess we could have run away, maybe, but I don't think we were planning on doing that. But whatever. I don't. I don't know that you really could have run away. It was yeah. built so that you couldn't run away. Yeah. Well, I mean, uh, if if I had gotten the door open. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, um, I you know I th- I think I probably shouldn't. I probably should have buffed the dragon a little bit more and removed the the bearded devil interrogator bit. Like that, those they were in there for kind of story reasons, and I just kind of assumed that that would be a little bit of like a throwaway fight. Uh, but they did; they were they were stronger, and they did more damage than I expected. And so you guys moved into the dragon phase uh, with uh, like fewer resources and like less HP than I had initially intended. Um, uh, I see. So it's almost you know it's a little bit of a it's a little bit of a balancing issue from my from 
uh, from my perspective. Though exactly what I thought was going to end up kind of happening did happen, uh, which is that you know you'd be able to get some big big burst uh, burst DPS from uh, Rakax, um, and uh, and that uh, you know this is also a little bit of like Marigrug's fight because he has. Uh, uh, you know, he has the, the energy resistance and everything like that. Um, and it was fairly straightforward for him to be landing kind of his, like, steady stream of claw attacks. Um, yep. Yeah, and uh, what was the other? Um, and, you know, yeah, as it, it, it is the, the mechanic of, you know, someone spend a standard action to turn the lights on. Useful, to, like, you know, if you've got a person who wasn't going to do anything in combat anyway. You know, it's, it's a bit, I'm helping. You know, I, you know yeah, it's definitely a little bit of like that. And I also think that it's a little bit of, um, you know, I go very back and forth with these. Uh, I go very, very back and forth with kind of boss fight design. We've kind of forever promised um, like really thorough in-depth discussions. But um, uh, and we've delivered on that, actually. But, um, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking about in, you know, October 2016 terms is ways in which to alleviate the problem of the action economy with with big bosses like this that aren't give the boss extra rounds um because I've been noticing a little bit more and more that giving the boss extra rounds is almost a little bit too powerful because what it, so the thing the thing that I have realized that it disrupts is a player's ability to um kind of anticipate the boss's movements because you know if i'm a player right and i'm trying to anticipate the boss's next movement i have to kind of plan for what my allies are going to do and then you know the boss is going to go and then i'm going to react right but if you give the boss two turns between every one of my rounds um that ability goes down which I think is a little bit of a negative thing. Not so much that I think it's a bad system overall or anything like that, um, but I it, it is a um, no. I absolutely it, it's, agree with it's, that. It's that's a what concern. You're yeah, it's a concern that kind of like crept up into the back of my uh, of my head, um, which is why you know I was like, well, you know, okay, requiring you know every time the boss switches phases, right. Um, requiring a person to spend two standard actions to get the light level back up to what it needs to be, right? Marigrug is always going to have, you know, Marigrug is always going to be able to see him, right? So he can effectively tank the boss and DPS the boss, even if it takes some time to kind of figure out uh, the, the torch mechanic. Um, but, you know, having having two standard actions be, you know, required uh, every time he switches phases in the fight, uh, I think is a good way to kind of like kill out that action advantage uh, to a certain extent. I, th I think that can get dangerous though. Cause it's it, it, like for, for kind of the same reasons you were saying about anticipation. It's like, um, like those kind of like face, which is aren't, aren't like transparent to us as players, obviously. Um, and not that this was the case here because again, there, there were characters that were well suited to be doing that task, but like, if you're set up to do something and then like, you know, arbitrary thing happens that, uh, that prevents you from being able to do the thing you've set up for that, that can feel bad. Um, yeah. Uh, did you pick up on, uh, on the three health bars? Um, because so, no, but uh, like I, I, you know, I, I'm I'm playing Beauregard. I'm not paying super hard attention to. Yeah, fair enough. It, it was one of those things where you know I I kind of thought about this phase mechanic. Um, actually, I read a blog post from 
you know, several years ago at this point. Basically redesigning boss monsters so that they have phase mechanics like the one that we kind of, you know, you take the boss, you you give him his HP, and you cut it into thirds, and every time he switches... Yeah, four, fourth edition has this, right, in two phases, right? A lot of boss monsters, when they switch from... Uh, uh, not bloodied to bloodied, right? Dragons have bloodied breath, for instance. Um, they get, they 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 kind of become more dangerous as they get as they get lower and lower, right? Um, yeah, and um, and so this and so this guy split that into three, uh, which is exactly what I did. You know, he had 120 hit points, 40 hit points each, right? And I displayed that on his three different bars, but I didn't want to be so explicit as to say. Right, that you know, this is this is precisely kind of what's happening, um, but uh, yeah, I I I I think uh, I don't know. I don't have a good uh, um, to a certain extent. I think it w- I think it would have been the wrong thing to kind of explain that. Um, no, I, I I agree. Um, and like I, I don't think like I I think this particular encounter worked. I just think that's like kind of a risk of the design. I yeah, also think enough. that like, you know, um, I don't necessarily think that like these kind of repeated mechanics are fun or like i think it feels a lot less kind of like mechanics e and more kind of like fantasy e is to like you know if it, it feels less less crunch and more fluff if they're different things that happen each time right like oh fair enough I like it it feels like a mechanic when every every time the same thing needs to happen if like you know, the first one was you have to turn the lights on. And the second one was like he knocked over that statue in the middle of the room or something. You have to deal with that in some way. Like, not, not that, like again, not that I'm saying that I thought the encounter was poor. Just like, I think the variation makes it makes it feel less like, um, makes it feel less like 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 like, like trite. Maybe is the right word. I don't know. I think yeah, if something I, I, feels I, like mechanics. It's it's not I think, great. I think the word you're looking for might be contrived. Yeah, yeah, that that, um, that, that, that sounds about right. And I, yeah, I totally see what you're getting at. I think that makes, um, uh, I think that makes, uh, I don't know, a certain amount of sense. Um, I, you know, I, I also think, to be honest, the original iteration of this was you could only light each torch once. Uh, but I kind of realized that if you did that, it would, first of all, it kills even more actions which is almost kind of unfair. Um, but like, you know, the idea was that, you know, you need to be, um, uh, you need to be moving between the different torches because they're going to be, uh, they're going like, they're going to be moving out. But I wasn't sure how to like communicate that you needed to move to the new torch. So I was just like, you know what? Fuck it. Right. Like I think people can all- just camp out at a torch and call it a day. I think you also did a, so I think what you ended up doing, and I don't know if you did this intentionally or not, um, that, like the the way that you force that is you have the dragon reposition itself, and I ran. If you remember, I ran across the room to a different set of torches, and that was because I knew I couldn't take another hit of the breath. Um, and so like you you managed to get that you managed to force that kind of hand with the movement of the boss, which I, I think feels a lot better uh, and less contrived than than a than a thing where like you you burn out each torch each time yeah i mean that's fair you know it was uh it was definitely built for him to be like uh you know on top of that statue because i i think i think the kind of what i thought happened did happen right um which is that you guys kind of clumped around the the uh the uh the 
the two devils. And so the idea is, you know, Ithin flips up onto the statue and the whole first phase, he's sitting on top of the statue. But the first thing he does is hit you all with like a big breath weapon attack, right? Because that's when the aura of the constant damage is very small. And so in order to, you know, like in order to get hit by that aura, you have to do the thing where you hop, you know, you kind of have to, if you want to be melee attacking him, right? You have to jump through some hoops in order to kind of get there. Um, which I thought was, uh, and then, and then in the second phase, he hops off the, you know, he hops off the statue and behaves more like a typical dragon. Um, and you guys, and, and this is more to your credit, right? You guys, um, uh, uh, spread out naturally, I think after that first breath attack and it, and it kind of became clear. Um, and as he transitioned in phases and that aura got bigger and bigger, um, you know, cause at first, <clears throat> at first it's only 30 feet or whatever. And then it goes to the entire, to the entire room. I think you actually avoided a lot of damage because he didn't get clustered breath attacks right in the set. I don't even think he used the breath attack for the second, like the transition from phase two to phase three, because there was only one person. He could only hit one person at a time. Uh, so to be honest, yeah, I think that's, you know, to be honest, I think that's to your, to your, uh, your credit. You guys played that fight pretty well. Yeah. Thanks. Um, Egg. <laughs> um, actually, this is, this is kind of interesting because this will bridge us into into a little bit more WoW talk. Um, it's kind of uh, on the same point. Like I, I was, you know, I've I've seen mechanics kind of in this vein where it's like, oh well, the the face switched, so like he gets the automatic breath refresh. Like I've seen stuff like that. I don't know if that was the case with your design, um, but that popped into my head as something that you could do. Um, and it occurs. Sorry, I, I'm sorry. What do you mean? So like. Let's say if I drop him out of that first third, his breath automatically refreshes. Like that's like the mechanic, right? Like, right. like he gets a, he gets a free proc. I, I was I was thinking about this as a potential like like you know, uh, um, a potential mechanic, and I uh, know that bothers me a little bit. It's, it's like so, the, the immediate thing I think of is like, all right, so we're fighting this thing, and popping him into the second phase will refresh his breath. But if, like, we're not prepared for that, that could potentially be disastrous, right? Um, and that's a thing where, like, you know, theoretically we're better off holding off for popping him into that second phase um, in order to position better. But I also feel like that feels, like, I don't like those mechanics. I don't like those mechanics when they come up in the raids that we've had in WoW where, like, essentially doing really well puts us at a disadvantage, we're like kind of like hitting like those breakpoints at just the right spot where like we have to stop doing it like we're doing well but not well enough to like hit the next breakpoint but well enough where we actually have to actively stop doing the direct objective in order to oh, make sure I see what you're saying um, um this it's happens almost it's almost like punishing right we we have you know such good dps right you guys are having such good dpr right to kind of bridge that gap or whatever yeah. right um, that, you know, it feels wrong to have to walk that good DPS back, right? Yeah. That theoretically, every fight I should be at 100%. You know, I, I should be trying to attain as much DPS as possible. Is that what you mean? Um, not, not quite that. Cause like, I, I, I don't think that that's accurate either. Like, I, I don't think it's wrong to like have like people pausing and stuff, but I, I don't like it when kind of like, like that's kind of like a a um a coincidence a coincidental consequence of the mechanics rather than like an intended consequence if that makes sense right like so 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 the the big parallel to this is um in the uh in the in the scenarios fight that we did that that that's currently up in Emerald Nightmare 
um, you can knock um, any of a couple different bosses into a new phase before essentially you've got ads down. Um, and I think, and in, if you're doing it at like, kind of like the expected rate, you'll naturally be at a break point between like, say waves three and four, where you knock him, n knock the boss into that second phase. Um, like scenarios is like this, Ilganoth is like this, um, Xavius is like this. Um, right. and, um, and so like in, in our case, we're doing well enough that we're knocking him that, that if we, if we do, if we kind of follow the pattern that if we just, you know, we're less geared or we're less, 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 you know, just doing less damage, we'd hit that break point naturally, but we're doing well enough that we kind of hit it at like the end of the third, like at the end of the phase before, so that like it knocks them into the second phase, which has this whole new set of mechanics while there's still ads that you need, need to attack, um, that have like in, in Emerald Nightmare's case, um, timed mechanics, like, especially with like, uh, Ilganoth, um, or, but on the other side of that fence for, uh, for, for D and D say, right? Like this would be the thing where like the reason that you reset the breath is not to essentially punish players for doing too much DPR. It's to kind of like guarantee that the dragon gets at least three, three dragons breaths available to it. Um, and that the players don't kill it so fast that it, that it, uh, that it kind of doesn't ever, like if it gets a bad roll on, on, you know, it's, it's typically a D six recharge, right? Um, right. Like the purpose of that mechanic is not to punish players for DPSing too hard. The purpose of that mechanic is to kind of, um, is to kind of, you know, ensure a certain amount of difficulty in in the, uh, in the game, and especially in um, uh, I think it's less so true in WoW and more so true in D and D, where you kind of don't run things over and over again with that kind of mechanic. Like that, that's something that would be invisible, right? Like you wouldn't tell the players yeah. ahead of time. Like I feel like like that kind of thing where like you reset the breath and that causes, you know, your, your two squishies to die because they happen to be positioned wrong when the DPS hit, because it's not something they can do that. I think that feels bad to a certain extent. I agree. Uh, but for, I, to be honest, actually the lion's share, I think I disagree. Um, I okay. think it's not punishing the DPS, uh, because, or it's not punishing the for the DPS for like being too good. Um, because there's actually, there's a couple of different skills boiled into that, right? And I think being able to uh, kind of, metaphorically speaking, turn DPS on a dime rather than turn DPS sloppily, that's a skill, right? And so the ability to say, stop DPS, right? And everybody switches to the ad immediately, right? Like snap of a fingers, that's a skill for, for a, a raid group. Uh, to kind of have in order to not push and and that it's that kind of precision that I think is being um, rewarded right and when that precision isn't available that's when it's being punished um and and to me that feels relatively uh so good. but I do agree with you in in kind of a greater context of like when we don't know about that stuff until we do the fight at least once or we read the dungeon journal right um it's obviously built to be less punishing in general uh, when it comes to Dungeons and Dragons, um, 
because uh, you know you can't in 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 World of Warcraft you can you can make things like that cause wipes right we caused that we wiped this week on on Cenarius because we pushed Cenarius into phase three um, at the same time that ads spawned and then we had to go down these ads right that 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 forcing a wipe on the raid in order to kind of correct on that behavior is very normal I think um, because of the iterative nature of of raids but I can't I don't have the the liberty. Um, of kind of, you know, f forcing white mechanics in, in Pathfinder or yeah. D&D of any setting will always be terrible um, and, and bad. Though I think, um, you know, at the same time, I think kind of picking up on the clues of, uh, of the fight uh, is, you know, uh, like, like the first person to recognize and communicate to the party and this isn't by this isn't an in-game thing right this isn't this is a mechanics thing more than it is a fluff thing um but like to recognize that those three health bars represent the health he has in each individual phase um and communicate that to the party right and then figuring out okay when he transitioned from phase one to phase two right he roared effectively uh stunned everyone for a round so that he could get his breath off and move right and then we pick back up uh, from where we left off in the initiative order it's it's less that that's a shitty way of putting it effectively just when he switches phase the dragon gets a quick you know uh, a, a quick round inserted in there uh, to kind of disrupt the uh you know to kind of disrupt the flow of the fight but um yeah I, you know picking up on that kind of thing right uh picking up on it's a, on it's a dragon so it's going to be using you know its breath attacks will recharge and it's going to be using them again and spreading out right um the the aura mechanic encouraging people uh you know especially people who are low from spreading out that kind of thing um so actually i, I think i've got a point there um uh about about essentially this knowledge and like part of me thinks that like you know our characters don't necessarily know these things. Like this is a very D and D problem, right? Like our characters don't know about, um, you know, don't necessarily know that dragons have recharging breath attacks. Um, and I think part and parcel of that is like recognizing your triple health bar thing. I almost feel like that should be like a, like a knowledge check or like, you know, like you, you roll like an intelligence check in secret and tell, Oh my God. Um, that's a great idea because I can hide the bars. Oh my god, that's a brilliant idea. I, it, 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 it is a thing that should be like to a character, right? Like right, 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 right. Definitely. Like you shouldn't reward Enoch or Mango for picking up on the bars. You should, uh, you should reward like Rakox or Beauregard for kind of noticing something. Like uh, you can flavor it however you want, but like. Yeah, you know, uh, to be honest, I mean, you guys did use the knowledge check. I think I think the knowledge check is important because, you know, it showed what he was immune to, all that other kind of stuff. Sure. Right? But I definitely think 1,000% that that is, uh, that is definitely kind of up there. Um, it's also, you know, it's a little bit of a meta thing. This is kind of the first boss monster um, in terms of, like, true, true boss monstering. I mean, I don't think it's a secret. Uh, you've been playing D&D &D with me for a very long time, and I am... Um, very kind of affected by the games that I'm playing in the moment. And so I think it's pretty normal uh, as soon as we start playing WoW and progression raiding that, you know, I'm thinking in terms of, you know, how can I make this fight like a raid boss encounter kind of sure. thing. Um, but, you know, I, I definitely agree with you. I think that that's, um, uh, I think that, you know, like learning and figuring out also i think i think it makes sense you know kind of from an abstraction point of view right 
uh, that when you like, let's say book four rolls around, you know, Nadal throws a shadow dragon or whatever at at Kintargo, right? If you guys see those three health bars, right, that's a representation as far as I'm from the like, start for, of Beauregard being like, listen, we fought one of these before, we know what it behaves like, right? right? Sure. Or even in, or even in another context, right? Let's say it's not a dragon. Let's say you know it's a be- you know uh, a beastman. Um, you know, uh, uh, you know, like a beastman abomination, right? That has the three health bars. Uh, I think it's also kind of a. I, I think it's also kind of a. It's a little bit of a stretch, but it's also kind of like a normal thing for Beauregard to say, right? You know, the tactics that we used against this dragon are similar to the tactics that we should be using against this abomination kind of thing, right? Sure. You know, when it's the whole party against one big fat boss monster. Um, uh, behaving in a, in a similar way makes a certain. You, you can also you could also do it in different like you know you could pick like an animal that's a little bit close to a dragon and you can make. I think you can also make like the uh, the 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 beastman uh, ogre or uh, abomination behave in in a slightly different way and have that feel valid as well. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I I, I definitely like this. Uh, I definitely like this. Uh, you know, three phase thing. I think two phases is also pretty cool. Um, what I like about two phases, it really lets you kind of amp three phases. It feels like things need to progress, which is kind of what happened here, right? You know, you progressed from you know this shadow aura. You didn't really quite know what it does, and then you figure out what it does, but it's not really hitting most people, so it's not a big deal. But then it gets really big, you know. It's all of a sudden okay. Now I, you know, now I have to figure out how to stay up because I can't be taking a D6 damage in, in negative energy damage every round, right? And then when you get into that kind of final burn phase, it's like, listen, I'm going to be getting hit either way. I just have to do everything I can to fucking uh, get him down. I think that progression tacks pretty well. But what I love about uh, the two-phase version of this um, is that it really lets you uh, like harden rage a boss in a better way. Um, especially if you kind of hide that phase in asymmetrical health pools, right? If it's 75% phase one, 25% phase two, if all of a sudden he's hitting for plus 10 extra damage with, you know, plus four on his attack rolls, right? That, that works by the numbers because an eight round fight, he's only gets two rounds of super hardcore buffed attacks. But now all of a sudden, the fact that he's hitting like a freight train, right? That really amps the stakes. And I think that that works pretty well. Not to give away my, not to give away my own, right, my own future boss fights, but yeah. <laughs> um, to, to bring it back to, to 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 WoW for a second, um, just to kind of respond to your your, your point about um, rewarding kind of turning on a dime. My only my only problem, like I, I think that that's a, a fair skill assessment. My only problem with that in the way that these kind of fights play out is that a worse group doesn't have to worry about that because they're naturally hitting the the breakpoints. Whereas us as a better group kind of has to worry about, which which feels wrong, right? Like it feels like you're rewarding the worst group for being worse in general. Oh, interestingly, I actually think that this kind of thing is actually good. Um, I think that having diff- this kind of thing, I think, first of all, a worse group is... Uh, like, like, I think that there are a lot of different metrics that you can sure. measure better and worse, right? Um, and uh, and I think uh, one of those skills being, right, just flat DPS numbers here, that definitely makes a lot of sense, right? A, a, a group that has worse DPS than our group 
is uh, is going to not face this same problem, right? But I like that as your DPS gets better, you are opening up new problems that then need their own solutions, right? Okay. So first we have kind of solved this skill of... Uh, you know, how do we get our DPS better and better, right? We've gotten we've gotten better DPS since we first downed down Xavius, and now we're in a position of, um, and now we now we have to learn a new skill in order to solve a problem that gets unlocked by our progression, which I think is kind of a neat thing. Um, it it see, the I, only I thing see, that bothers me saying. about I, that I think, is that we don't get any better reward for that. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that's exactly what I was going to say, right? I understand how it looks like, or it feels like, um, uh, I, I definitely understand how it feels punishing, because we aren't rewarded better, right? When you get when you get extra stuff for, for going that extra mile, right? When we two-chest a plus-two mythic, right, that... That is, you. I am rewarded for going that extra mile, right? Right. Um, and so that feels better. That's a positive feeling, right? But when I am, you know, when I am wiped for failing this thing, but completing this thing gets me no tangible reward, that is the negative feeling, which is why it feels punishing. I yeah. Think. Um, yeah. And that loop, we're, we're, you know, when we wipe yeah, on that. a thing that we've done successfully before because of this new problem, especially. Yeah. Um. But yes, yeah, no, I, I, it's it's a tough balancing act too, and I, I don't think it's the worst thing. It just uh, it feels feels bad, man. Yeah, uh, I yeah I one you know uh, uh, I one hundred percent. Am I allowed to say feels bad, man anymore? That it's, it's that's that's a Pepe thing, right? So I can't say it anymore. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm pretty sure that's hate speech, dude. Oh uh, man, you know, uh, uh, just. Uh, you know we gotta make uh, we gotta make video gaming great again. I Oof. think is the uh, absolutely. I really you know honestly to be honest, um, I am almost kind of disgusted with myself that I just made that joke on this podcast because I feel like memifying Donald Trump isn't something that we should be doing. I think he deserves not to have. Yes, things. he deserves our undying respect. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> Oh God! Someone's gonna misinterpret that. Uh, that was sarcasm. That was sarcasm. Yeah, right. We're being sarcastic. Uh, anyway. Um, but yeah. uh, but so the, you know politics. <laughs> I prom. I okay. So I made I made a promise as a politician. I'm a good politician. I made my promise and I stuck to it barely, uh, barely. I maybe got an hour and a half and eh, maybe like two hours into another game this week. But I did get another game this week. Do you want me to just tell you? Do you want to guess? Do you want to try and guess what game it is? I'll give you three guesses. I'll give you hints every time you miss, or I'll just say it. I don't care. Whatever you want, dude. Uh, all right. So so <laughs> give, give me give me a hint first. And we'll, we'll do it. Well, I'll play your. I'll play your game. Okay, play my game. Okay. Uh, what's a good hint for this game? It um, it's a story-based game. Uh, did you play The Walking Dead season two? No. Uh, it is a classic game. Did you play Day of the Tentacle? No. Uh, it's a strategy game. Story-based strategy. Did you play Starcraft: Brood War? Oof, so close. I played Warcraft 3. Oh, huh? well, that's... Uh, yeah, yeah I, I think that's close enough. I'll give you that one. Uh, I should play StarCraft because, uh, you know... Um, uh, what? My computer's about to restart. So, we'll pick, the, we'll pick this... Why can't I stop it? Why can't I stop this restart? Why can't I stop it? What? Windows Snow? Welcome back, folks. Buddy had a little bit of some technical difficulties. Um... And I think it actually works out kind of well because I think it's a good breaking point to kind of just launch into our uh, into our main topic. What do you think, buddy? 
I didn't even get to talk about Warcraft 3. Oh, right. right. You get to talk yeah. about Warcraft 3. No, we, we should talk about Warcraft 3. Um, yeah, so I've been, play, I've been playing Warcraft 3 because I've been playing so much World of Warcraft. And I was like, look, I got to play some other fucking games, right? And I was sitting there and I was like, God, what games could I play? And sitting on my desktop was, uh, was you know, like the icon for Warcraft 3. And I was like, you know what? I need a fucking, you know, it's always good to get a history lesson, right? It's always good to bone up. On your fundamentals of uh, of Warcraft lore, so I loaded up Warcraft three. I played I played the prologue mission with Thrall, where he gets uh, you know gets the horde together and they go to Kalimdor. And I played the um, the first five missions of the human campaign. Um, to be honest, I almost kind of want to have like a weird like Warcraft three. I am struck by so many thoughts playing this game. One, how dated it is. Um, it really reminds me of. Uh, you know, like in film class, having to watch old movies, right, from like, you know, the the 30s or 40s where it's silent uh, or cameras can't really do, uh, you know, what it is, right, or it's black and white, right? Um, and I think that that's, uh, I think that's, you know, kind of what it's like going through the you know, kind of the video game past and playing... I, I think- I was say, I think I think those issues hit games a lot harder than they hit film too. Yeah, right. no, I one hundred percent agree. I it, I have gone back to play some classic arcade games, uh, and it's very jarring to do that sometimes, just because, um, you know, you're just used to certain kind of conventions uh, that it can get. I don't know. It's just tough. Uh, and and games have also done a much shorter time, right? There were decades and decades, right? There were four decades between. Um, you know, uh, Birth of a Nation, right? Um, and Citizen Kane, right? And then there's another, you know, there's another three decades between Citizen Kane and The Godfather. Um, and uh, and I think it is, uh, it's tough because games have been around for, you know, I guess at this point, about four decades in total, right? But you know, when you look back, when you when you kind of chart a course through history and go, Pong. Galaga, Mario, you know, uh, uh, Mario 64, I guess, maybe. Uh, Final Fantasy 7. That, that Final kind of, Fantasy, yeah, right, yeah, like Final Fantasy 7, right, and then you get into Halo and Call of Duty, and now we're, you know, and now, you know, you look at graphics in, like, Crisis, right? You know, I, I really, I really kind of feel how blocky everything is. I really kind of feel how the animations are, uh, uh, are kind of janky, uh, but you know what? It, you know it is what it is. Warcraft, uh, uh, Warcraft Three is a product of its time. Um, uh, I, I I got I got some flack from you once because I said that I thought that the sprites in Starcraft, the two D sprites in Starcraft, are better than the three D polygons in Warcraft. Um, oh, did it, did I give you? I, I don't. You 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 gave you gave me flack for that. I I think the sprites are better because you know three D. You when you do three D, you have to do polygons. You have to do, uh, and and it forces everything to be blockier. But with sprites, at least. Uh, oh, okay. You, I, can, I, you see what I'm saying? Yeah, I see what you're saying. I I also don't like. Uh, I am not a huge fan of the sprites in StarCraft One. I don't think that the, I don't know. I just I don't like that kind of look in general. Fair um, enough. Um, like, those sprites try to be a little bit too real-looking, I think. Like, I think sprites that are a little bit more cartoony work better. Like, like, like retro-style games you find in the modern age, or, like, classic 
Clark, like Mega Super, Man. Mega Man, Super Mario Brothers 3. Sure. Um, that, that kind of thing. Super Mario Brothers 1, even, it's just that th those are a little bit you know more pronounced. Yeah, fair um, enough. Yeah, I also, you know, Warcraft 3 is also an interesting game for me because, uh, you know, I'm a big Blizzard guy, right? I've been playing, you know, but uh, my, my Blizzard love for a long time was focused on StarCraft. Uh, I didn't actually play Warcraft 3 until college. Uh, because I wanted to get back, you know, because I was RPing at the time and I wanted to get like a full kind of like story or whatever. So I went and I bought a battle chest from like Best Buy. It was actually when I, I mean, you and I went to college together. I, I went, I took the bus to the to the Best Buy in the Inner Harbor just to get just to get Warcraft Three. Um, hey man, I got yeah. mine. Uh, I bought, I got it for Christmas one year. Didn't like it, and then got it. I went to a, a game camp when I was in like high school. Um, I love that. I love that camp, but uh, I that I only kept playing it to play Dota. Um, I never got into. I, I I discovered kind of like I eventually realized I just don't like RTSs. Um, really? The, yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Well, it, it, it's it's almost definitely it, it's it's almost entirely the real time component. Like I can do like EU. Um, and CK2, just because, like, they, they are slow pause, enough. Right, and you the, can the pause, the they're very slow-based games, right? Um, games that are very APM-focused, which which a lot of, like, um, you know, like, StarCraft and WarCraft definitely are. Um, I just, I never enjoyed those, because it, it seems more to me about, like, rote action than it does about, like, like, actual, like, you know, the actual thinking, like, there's... Like optimal, I just didn't. I just don't like it. I prefer turn-based much more, where I can kind of like sit back and think. Um, Fair enough. How do you feel about uh, just to like follow this tangent to its completion? How do you feel about like instanced RTSs, like in Warhammer, where uh, uh, you know the the battles are? Really oh, um, so I like so so I think this is part of it too. Um, I do like those a lot better. Um, part of it for me is I don't like the base management of of like starcraft style rts's interesting um like i don't most like i don't like you know in order to play those games optimally you have to constantly be switching back and forth between your production center and the battle that's at hand i'd much rather focus on the battle that's at hand right um this is kind of why i like total war games right with the yeah all, 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 all the production and that that's all in turns and all the and the battles in real time um i could take early like battles being in real time isn't like I don't think I don't feel like that's in inherently better than battles that are turn based. I like both for different reasons. Sure, fair um, enough. Yeah, I you know I have to say I do really love StarCraft. Uh, I do really love Warcraft three, um, but I actually like I saw I like StarCraft better and I like it better just from like the aesthetics of um, Warcraft three is very squad based to a certain extent because uh, the food limit is lower and heroes are so powerful and units cost more food than uh than in in starcraft so your armies in warcraft 3 are just naturally much smaller and you're kind of better off making a mixed bag you know right six footmen three riflemen two priests and a hero right that's you know that's like a solid kind of composition um in starcraft you can make these great big armies and i and the the kind of aesthetic fantasy of just having like this massive massive army at your disposal uh is more uh is more appealing to me 
Um, but, you know, I have to say, I think the story in Warcraft 3 is absolutely tremendous. It is one of the, uh, you know, one of the best story-driven games. And I think StarCraft, I, th I believe this about StarCraft as well, by the way. But I think it's one of the best story-driven games um, of that era. And, 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 I, and it is a big stepping stone to kind of... Um, you know the the expansion of of like kind of artful storytelling in mainstream games because that's not something you know i i think you start to see it with stuff like uh you know with like rpgs hitting their stride like final fantasy 7 obviously um and then you kind of crest into halo and you know you have like starcraft and halo um which are telling more complex and kind of nuanced stories right halo is kind of the first time i can think of in a video game that there was like a really big deal well if final fantasy 7 also has this but um halo halo you know has has some big deal plot twists that feel like kind of advanced storytelling kind of to me and i think warcraft 3 follows that to its conclusion because um you know you kind of have this rashomon you know, and this is true of all of these Blizzard games, right? You have this Rashomon, right? Like you're focusing on one pro uh, protagonist, uh, kind of moving through the story at a at a time, right? But the, like you know, there are these real, real character arcs, and not just you know, I'm I'm struck by Arthas's, right? Because he has the most dramatic uh, uh, character arc in 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 Warcraft Three, and I think he's the best character that that really has been. Uh, you know, kind of around in the Warcraft universe. Well, maybe Varian is a little bit better, but um, the the it is so cool to me. I think that you play Thrall in that first two, you know, those first two kind of prologue missions where it's which is the tutorial, right? And you're listening to him, and um, and and then you move right into playing as Arthas, right? And the stuff that Arthas is saying, and the stuff like just like the little voice lines that they have are actually the same. Both Thrall and Arthas will ha have the same voice line of "For Honor," right? Um, and then uh, and then as you progress, you start to see uh, you kind of start to see the change in in Ar Arthas from kind of the first couple of missions. Um, to where you get into kind of the the plague is overwhelming. I I don't know. I I you know we we, we should probably uh, cut this because we've been uh, uh, we've been waiting for our uh, our promised topic. But I have a lot of thoughts about Warcraft Three and its direct uh, you know like the direct implications that it has of its storytelling and just how good it is. Um, I don't know. I think it's it's. I really feel like I'm playing you know, a classic in motion, right? I wonder if this is kind of what people thought when they saw, like, the Maltese Falcon in theaters. I don't know. I, I feel like there were there were a lot of other strong story games, too. I, I don't think... I just don't know if it's as, as kind of exclusive as, as you... Like. I, I'm not trying to say that it's exclusive. Um, I, I don't want to make that, because I do... Okay. I 100% agree with you. I You know, I, I also think you know, Warcraft 3 is, like, 2000... 2002. Well, I, 2002? Okay. July Warcraft 3 2002. Is, is 2002. There's a lot of other games I think come out at this time. Um, well, Half-Life 2 is, I think, around then as well. Yeah, exactly. Right. You know, this, and I think that's a great example of, uh, of kind of what we're looking at. But like, the, you know, I think the progression of looking at, um, you know, some of the more straightforward early versions of kind of maybe Command and Conquer is a good example of this. Oh, that's, that's um, fair. Uh, and that, you know, you take that and you, even Warcraft 1, which I also think Warcraft 1 doesn't get enough credit. It's got a lot of quote-unquote advanced storytelling in it too, right? It has both perspectives. You have both the orc and the human perspective. Um, it ends on a huge downer, 
uh, it, it has a really just kind of shit ending, which you wouldn't expect uh, with the sacking of Stormwind, right? I, 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 you know, Warcraft 2 has the same kind of stuff, right? Um, but uh, in the same way that I think you can kind of chart a course from, you know, Doom to Quake to Halo and Half-Life to, you know, uh, Spec Ops the line, right? You know, maybe that's, this yeah. is kind of the arc that I'm drawing. I think you can do the same kind of thing with kind of RTSs. And if you were to chart that over a lot of different things, right? Um, you know, the first Final Fantasy versus Final Fantasy VII versus Final Fantasy IX versus Final Fantasy, you know, X or, 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 or twelve, right? You see the same kind of things, right? The first Bioware games um, are also, you know, definitely Baldur's Gate, one hundred percent in this. Uh, you see this from, you know, the first, uh, the first Arena, or no, sorry, Arena Net, um, uh, the first Bethesda games, yeah, uh, well, Arena, Elder Scrolls Arena, yeah, right, yeah, it's, you, you know, you see that, you, you and we're, you, you can kind of chart the same course. Right, you know, through Daggerfall to Morrowind to Oblivion and, and Skyrim. And I think if you were to kind of chart all of those, you could get a big kind of swathing overall trend of, of watching games tackle more advanced, more nuanced, more interesting stories. And Warcraft 3 to me is definitely a keystone, you know, in that, right? It definitely yeah. pushed the oh, boundaries. Yeah. I, especially for its genre, I think. I, I would definitely agree with that. Warcraft and Starcraft definitely pushed for its storytelling and RTSs in particular yeah um but that being said we should probably move on just to give a quick update on my weekend video games i finished shadows of mordor that game's a lot of fun um it's got its flaws um like i i finished it with maybe like half of the upgrade spot um and like not a ton of the ability like like i guess a little bit more than half of the abilities gained um and I kind of pushed through it, and the last two bosses are terrible. They're, like the fights directly before the bosses are pretty cool, but the last two bosses are 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 uh, the tower and the hand are awful. Um, and then I also played Party Hard, which is a uh, a game where you murder teens that are partying. Maybe they're not necessarily teens, but you murder people who are partying because you just want to get some sleep. Um, it's a pretty neat game. Um, not great, I'd say in like the B plus range. Um, it lacks, it's kind of like, um, I think he's trying to kind of capitalize on the popularity of, say, like, uh, Hotline Miami, but the levels take too long to complete and there's no checkpointing, and so if you screw up, like, deep into a level, it's very frustrating to have to restart it, because you have to kill, like, 60-something mm -hmm. people in most levels, sure. um, and, like, it's very easy to lose, and if you lose, it, it's just it's just frustrating, but uh, um, I would I would give it a look-see. I'd buy it on sale on Steam. That, that, that's my recommendation for, for Party Hard. Fair enough. All right, well, we promised uh, to wrap up our discussion from last week of the hype train, um, and I want to uh, I wanna deliver it. Uh, do you remember where we left off? I off believe, um, what was your number three? It was uh, Civ Injustice 2, uh, right? I thought just Civ 6 was... might have been, I man, I can't remember the list, the, the, sorry, the ranking in my head. Uh, okay, um, I believe you know, uh, it would be time for me to talk about Titanfall 2. Ah, yes, Titanfall 2. Uh, interesting. I have some friends that work at that studio. Oh, really? Uh, and by that, I mean one singular friend uh, who went to go uh, who went to go work there. But yeah, yeah, yeah I love, uh, uh, you know, honestly, Titanfall, um, uh, Titanfall is interesting. Uh, what, what, what? So what, I, what? yeah. <laughs> so one of my, I'm going to call it a guilty pleasure, but I, I, like, I'm not a great FPS player, nor do I, um, like, like I, I'm not like, you know, I, I, I like, or so I'm not a big FPS player, but one of my kind of guilty pleasures is 
Uh, most years, I will buy the Call of Duty game and play a bunch of multiplayer um, on the on a console just because mm-hmm. I think it's like pure fun. And I'm not doing that with Call of Duty or Battlefield this year, and I'm doing it with going to do it with Titanfall. Um, not sure if I'm going to do it on the PC or the Xbox One or both because um, I played Titanfall One on the PC. But I just kind of for Titanfall One, I love the kind of kinetic energy. I love the verticality. I love the smoothness. I thought the Titan fights were amazing, mm-hmm. and all in all, I loved it. But it just felt like there was, like, not enough there, not enough maps, not enough um, titans, not enough weapons yet. And um, uh, the way I felt and the way a lot of people felt is that Titanfall 2 was going to be spectacular. And now it's time for Titanfall 2. Um, And so I am super excited to kind of get back into that. Um, It looks like they're holding to the same formula. One thing I'm a little bit sad about is um, the single player in Titanfall 1 was kind of kind of nothing. It was you play through multiplayer the multiplayer maps in a specific order, and while you were playing, little boxes would pop up in the corner, little video screens, and would mm-hmm. tell you the story of essentially what was happening. Right, like it, it was a, it was a, a it kind of like how um, matches in Overwatch are simulating an event that happened. Um, these matches in Titanfall were events that that happened, um, and you just played them through, like I said, in a specific order to um, to play the story of Titanfall. Right. Um, um, it wasn't great, um, but I thought it was neat, and I was hoping they'd try and do it better this time around, but instead they, they, it looks like they're doing like a regular single-player campaign for that, which I will probably completely ignore, because um, uh, I play a lot of these shooter games just for the multiplayer. Um, um, so I'm a little bit sad. That, like I liked it in Titanfall 1 because I could play the single-player while playing the multiplayer, essentially. Like, I, didn't have to, I, I don't like playing shooters against AI opponents. I find them... Uh, typically boring mm-hmm. um but i am super excited to get back into that kind of like running and gunning um when the multiplayer trailer came out and they've got this grappling hook and the, the last shot of the multiplayer trailer is a dude um uh shooting a grappling hook uh, or two guys fighting in titans they both eject from the titan titans and one guy shoots the grapple the guy you're looking at the eyes through shoots his grappling hook at the other guy and like pulls him in and punches him in the face and that's where the trailer ends and i think i just instantly came in my pants at that moment like it was just <laughs> like i was just like that's exactly what i want i want that like frantic like frenetic action i'm so excited um i don't know i i i, I love the the kind of like i kind of love loved it a, a bit in, in overwatch too like with the more mobile characters i'm mean, not enjoyed the diversity of characters there i'm also looking forward to something that's more akin to uh like say like a tribes, um, or like a uh, an older like a. Like oh a, my god! What a good reference! Fucking tribes! Holy shit! I used to play so much tribes. Tribes is really funny because it's a game I used to play a ton of, but that I literally kind of forgotten about. Um, which which tribes? The uh, like the original ones? Or Sen? No, wait, no, definitely not. Uh, the, tribes two. Okay, yeah, because. Uh, what was it? The high res put out um, essentially a, a modern one when we were in college um, that we played for a while, and they kind of dropped support off for in favor of Smite. Made people a little bit frust that uh, that they kind of cut support for that so they could do more MOBA stuff. Yeah, um, I do remember that. It's funny to me too because um, I think uh, the um, I think the tribe ga- tribes games are really cool and really interesting. Um, and it's they have these mechanics, you know, like the kind of gliding mechanics that you get 
with tribes um, uh, and some of the class-based stuff. It's something that I wasn't seeing at anything, you know, in anything else at the time. And it really is kind of like the um, the uh, the Ur version of some of these class-based shooters uh, that uh, I feel like yeah. I see. I, f- I feel like I see now. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, it's, it's, man, it's not. Tribes, jeez, God, what a great game. Yeah, the, the the games are not, or like the classes are not as varied as they are on the, some of the class based shooters, but, um, are like you know the harder core ones like Overwatch and uh, TF two, um, but they they do offer a good variety. In, in in fact, in the in the the newer one, um, which I can't remember its name, but for the life of me, I played the the heavier class that kind of like played as an artillery class. You kind of mm-hmm. did indirect shots, um, and I I'm it's, it's pretty clear to me at least that Pharah is supposed to like I feel like Overwatch tries to like take inspiration from a bunch of different places like i feel like fair is supposed to be like a tribe style um uh the fighter you know uh, to be honest maybe that's one of the reasons that i feel like i'm so i'm good on fair compared to other uh, by the way uh just for uh uh fact checking i am talking about tribes too in looking at the history tribes ascend is the 2012 yes that's what i'm thinking that of. was uh that was kind of maligned uh in certain in certain aspects but tribes 2 is the one the great part about tribes 2 is you get you it was it was kind of in a version um this star wars battlefront 2 was also like this for me where like people were playing on modded versions on private servers uh that was that were kind of its own community um there was a very famous maybe not that famous uh tribes mod called wigo which is what is going on, and it just kind of, like, throws all the mechanics out the window. Like, literally, like, all of them. Like, not even, like, the physics works, like, makes sense. Um, and you kind of get into the, these really crazy... Anyway, th- my point is, um, Tribes you know, Tribes 2 comes out in 2001, so I really do think that it is, it is the unsung kind of predecessor of a lot of this stuff. Yeah, no, that absolutely makes sense. Um, but, yeah, that... And I feel like a lot of that is kind of like, like I think Titanfall 2 is it's kind of in some ways a spiritual successor to, to, to Tribes. It doesn't have quite as much mobility. It doesn't have like the skating, as much of the skating stuff. But I think that that's definitely kind of in the same niche. Um, and so I'm very, very excited that comes out. Um, not this Friday, which is Civilization 6, but the next Friday. Um, so I am, I, am, I am super pumped. That is, that is, uh, funny. you know, honestly, I lucked out with Civilization Six because I pre-ordered Civilization Six months and months ago, and uh, 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 Rachel and I have been trying to save money. I've been trying to save money for a new computer, and so I've been, uh, I've been, you know, we 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 are very tight about that kind of extra spending, and it, it occurred to me, oh my god, sixty dollars, fuck, I'm gonna have to, you know, I'm gonna have to like save and save and save in order to kind of like meet the rules that we have, uh, we, we've established. But nope, nope. Three months ago, more than that, uh, buddy was was on was on his shit um, when it comes to Civ Six. Um, but uh, that's your number two. Right, that that's my number, number three. That that's your number three. What was your number two? Did we do your number two or your number uh, one? Uh, oh, we did your number my, one when my I did number one is Civ Six. Yeah, so. I, we did your number one on my Civ Six one. Right. Yes. I think I only have my number one left. I think. Oh. Because I've done Injustice Two. We talked about uh, Civ Six. We talked about. Uh, did we talk about Dishonored Two? Um, I believe so. Yeah, we did because I talked about how I think it's an A minus game that has little tiny. Oh, right, right, because that was that was my number four. So yes. paper. Yeah, but it, 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 the, you know, in an episode of of 
you know, to borrow a, a term from another podcast, Buddy's Paper Cuts, right? It bothers me that there's that weird interaction in Dishonored where you can look in the keyhole on the bathing woman. It's just, it's such a, what the fuck? It's so creepy, that moment. I don't understand. Um, uh, and it's kind of weirdly, like, weird morals. Yeah, but, no. Paper Cuts. Still, yeah. you know, still a great game. Um um, in case you are curious, people at home, um, you can preload. Actually, this this is completely unimportant because this will definitely go up like minutes before Civilization Six actually comes out. Um, but you can preload it now. I need uh, to. Yeah, I do need to preload it. Uh, I need to, do need to preload it for for Friday. Um, yeah. What was that? Do, so, do we do your number two? Um, my number two is not, in fact, been talked about. My number two is For Honor. Oh God, yeah. For Honor was the last was my last minute. I subbed For Honor out for Injustice Two because I remembered Injustice Two was going to be coming out, and I'm super pumped for that game. But I am also super very pumped for Dishonored. Or sorry, crap. For Honor. Yes. Uh, what? So why? You know why is it? Why is it? That's pretty high on your list. Yes. Um. So I am a huge fan of 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 these kind of like multiplayer game like these, these multiplayer skill based games, right? You know, I obviously. There's, there's like the FPS ones that I like, but I, I I've always kind of wanted like a a good sword based game kind of you know like a good melee combat game that 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 kind of vein. And we've gotten um, well what's the what's the name of the you we got like uh, War of the Roses and we've gotten um, uh, Chivalry. Oh my uh, God, War of the Roses! Holy shit! I played that game. I was working, well not really working because it was not paid. I was writing articles for a website, and I got a I got a uh, a press copy of, of War of the Roadies, and I put out a uh, I put out a review of that. I really don't remember what I said. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, War of the Roses, I I enjoyed. I felt it was like, um, it was from like a bunch. It was from a couple. I think it might have been the Mountain Blade people. Um, so it was like super realistic. In yeah, it's way- Mountain Blade people. I think it was published by Paradox. Yeah. Um, and the thing I didn't like as much about it was like, you know, like. You know, it makes sense, but you, like, if you hit somebody with the haft of your Warhammer instead of with the head, you do less damage. Um, I feel like it doesn't play out super well in first person. Um, and so I, I much preferred Chivalry, which kind of eschewed those um, uh, historical accuracies in, in the name of kind of fun. You know what? You're super right. That's exactly what I said at the time um, is... Uh, <laughs> I God, man, that's so funny. I'm getting like the weirdest deja vu. Um, the uh, uh, I I actually appreciate that the War of the Roses team made made the game as historically accurate as they did. I think that's I think that's very cool, and it's also very like like principled almost. Like I like yeah. it that they kind of stuck to that their guns and that principle. But it is a shame that it makes the game less fun. Like uh, uh, because uh, God, man, yeah, it is a little bit of a downer. Yeah, uh, some of the, some of those mechanics just really felt cheap. Um, um, but you know, th- those games came out, and, and I, I think they, they they were good. I especially, like I said, I especially like Chivalry. Um, I think part of the um, there like like part of the problem with those games is that I don't think you can get like the, a good swordsman experience from first person, right? Like um, guns, I think work because you kind of just shoot. Mm-hmm. Right and, and like th- that doesn't need any sort of complexity to it, um, unless you know unless you're doing like some sort of like uh like gun foo or something. But that's you know guns is its own thing. Um, if you guys if you remember guns online from uh the, that free internet game, 
Have you ever played it? Guns. Uh, if you've never if you've never played it, then, then don't worry about it. I'll, I'll drop that. The people who okay. played Guns will know what I'm talking about. Um, but like I don't, I just don't think like I think part of like the core fantasy of playing like kind of with with swords is is kind of like the intricacy of the maneuvers. Um. And I don't think you get that in first person, or at least you don't I have, get it I, easily. I'm looking at screen chest now. I don't think I've ever played this game. Um, and like you know, I think that there's some promise for that with like say, um, the, the like the the HGC uh, Vive and and the Oculus with the move controllers to kind of get us to that place. But I don't think you can right. do that well with um with, with with mouse and keyboard setup from the first person perspective. However, I'm excited because it looks like For Honor by kind of pulling it back and making it kind of more MOBA-ish, you can kind of like take away the need for that kind of almost like extremely direct control and put it, put some of that coolness on like abilities and, uh, and different types of slashes, right? Like it's got this like three, three, uh, three strike system. And I feel like that's going to work out better. And it looks, it looks very cool. I'm super excited for it. I'm super excited for like the kind of like, uh, uh, the, the kind of like, the battles look really epic. Um, they look like a lot of fun. I'm excited for things like um, a, a person we're a fan of, Trinity Mortal, put out a video of him playing in the in the beta. Um, is this shot of a dude like literally ch like shoulder charging someone? It's just like that's the type of thing that I'm excited for. And I don't think it's easy. To, I don't think you can do like a, an in, a shoulder charge easily in first person because realistically, when you do a shoulder charge, you're not really looking at what's happening. You kind of like, you know, when you charge into somebody, you kind of like you, the, the tactile feedback is what's really satisfying about that but when you do it from the third person you can kind of get that because you can see your model crashing into it without it feeling weird that you're kind of like running head on into them or, or or um whatever like i think i think um like for instance reinhardt does a good job of this in first person but i think it's also like kind of limited to those kind of like you have to be able to like pick up someone or you have like it, it's very hard to get that right and i think it's much easier and, and i think it can be a lot more satisfying in, in third person so i'm super um, i'm super excited for this game um, also comes out on Valentine's Day, and I'm not gonna have anything to do. So, um. <laughs> that's funny. Yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited for Four Honor. I'm excited for what I've seen so far. I think the right uh, perspective for them to be going is kind of this like exaggerated history. Um, and I, you know, I also just kind of think that it's kind of neat that they get to do the, like, who would win, Vikings or Samurai or Knights kind of thing. Uh, I mean, I'm also kind of interested to see what they'll come up with, like, to, to, like, as almost like an experience. Like, I wonder what For Honor looks like. Let's say For Honor, like, breaks out as a huge game, right? Three years from now, what else is in there? Like, pirates. Ottoman Janissaries, right? Yeah, like, pirates who use cutlasses and pistols. Maybe you get, like, ninjas. That would be sweet. I, I, um, do you think ninjas aren't going to be part of the samurai faction? Are they part of the samurai faction? I'm, I'm, I I'm not sure. I haven't, I have, I am excited, but I, I, so part of, um, this, this cast, I feel like it's got a different tenor than the one we did last year. Um, is that I kind of very consciously have limited the amount that I'm eating about all of these games so that I don't kind of like spoil myself, like, for it. Like, I don't want to be so gotcha. excited now for a game that comes out in four months because it'll just kind of, like, fall off it before the game even comes out. To be um, honest, I won... You know what? I 1,000% uh, agree with you. I have been doing the exact same thing. Um, ish. My number one... I've been a little bit bad about my number one uh, in that I indulge sometimes because... 
anyone uh i you know we talked about this a little bit on like you know the movies podcast right uh where i sometimes uh kind of can't help myself and i have to like binge on 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 spoilery stuff yeah no i, I definitely get that like i've managed to like because it's coming out this friday i've kind of timed it right i've been watching cool 18's rome playthrough um of of civ 6 um uh, which you, you know, they they have an early press build that came out like a month ago that's not complete but uh mm-hmm. you know pretty representative and so I, it's like I've been building my hype up on that and I'll be ready for it um, when it releases um like so apparently it releases at 9 p.m. Pacific on Thursday which will like again will be potentially before this podcast goes up um, but you know that's you know. You know, I'm, I'm right there and I'm ready to grab it. So oh, I'm, I'm so pumped. Um, yeah, I'm pretty pumped. Uh, I, I'm pretty pumped. I'm pretty interested. I've seen a little bit. I've seen Total Biscuit talk about it. I've seen Quill 18 talk about it a bit. I've read a couple of articles. Uh, it doesn't feel it doesn't feel as bad, I suppose, with Civ because uh, I do want to have at least a cursory wash of the mechanics uh, in order to like move. I did the same fair. kind of thing with Stellaris, uh, to be fair, uh, where I just kind of like. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't go whole hog, right? I didn't go nuts, but I wanted to be at least um, acquainted with some of the mechanics moving into it because, I don't know, I think that I think that kind of thing is, uh, I think that kind of thing is important uh, for, for some of these games. Like, you can just kind of, you know, like, it doesn't feel good to me uh, in order to kind of, like, sit through the tutorial or whatever because I've deprived myself. To me, that's just, like, wasted time. Yeah, um, not, so. not only that, but like, it was Civ, right? Like, it's it's a it's a, it looks like it's going to be a very different game than Five, but not so, like you know most of the tutorials going like I'm going to click on this unit and you'll click here to move and be like, yes, I've been doing this for ten years. Now can we please yeah. get to the new <laughs> I know, I know. Oh God, I know that that kills me a little bit. Um, um it is God, you know, it's funny. I have played so many hours. I played so many hours of Civilization, kind of like across the ages. On, ironically, I actually think the best Civilization game uh, that I've ever played, like the Civilization game, where wherein like we're kind of com- comparing mechanics across the board, uh, is the first one I ever played, which is Civilization: Call to Power. Oh, which I, I am not familiar with that title. Is that like a- Civilization: Call to Power? Is uh, Civilization Two? But Activision still owned the title, uh, but Sid Meier had moved on, uh, ah. and, and like Phyraxis also, I guess didn't they, I don't think they existed yet technically, um, and so this was before you know Civ, Civ three or whatever. So they gave it to another, they gave it to another group, and they kind of farmed it out, and they put out a beautiful Civ game. Uh, it's got it's got a lot of the mainstays, right? You know, building buildings. Um, uh, you know, uh, it's got obviously like armies and units or whatever, uh, workers that build tile improvements. Um, but they did a couple of cool things that I think are are you know technology technology tree works almost exactly like you would kind of expect but they did a couple of cool things they pushed back the uh the end date of the game from the year 2000 to the year 3000 so there's all this cool future stuff that you can get into um the way that they handled military units is i think the the very best um of all of the civ games and is the lion's share of why 
this game um uh is why is why this game is kind of like the best from like a core mechanics perspective basically um you could stack you could stack units like you couldn't sift three and sift four but you can only stack up to oh by the way i've never played before um sift three and sift four but you could you could only stack up to nine and the battle how the battles played out was kind of almost intricate like almost like an eu thing where you know these two like uh, you, uh, your unit of nine is an army right and they go and they meet on a battlefield that kind of has its own uh, you know, its own mechanics, uh, but they also like interact in kind of the strategic world in a different way. Um, and so what the game, it was encouraging you to do was make contained armies of mixed units to serve different functions, right? You know, an army of all pikemen, you, you like an army of nine, five people are going to fight on the front line and then four people are going to be on the back line. And those four people can either be reserves, right? So if a frontline unit dies, he moves in and fills in that frontline unit or it can be like ranged units, right? So you could do something like have um, five pikemen and then back them up with four knights, right? And so as soon as one of those pikemen comes down, a knight is going, a full, you know, a full health, full strength knight is going to come in and kind of smash the lines or you put them in back with, uh, longbows or like crossbows or whatever in order to kind of be peppering the enemy with damage for for a longer duration right you could put artillery back there who does the same thing but at a slower rate but artillery have the the extra use um of being bombardment units on the strategic game map um uh you know you could have swordsmen on your flanks pikemen in your middle right you you it, it, the point is right the configuration of armies uh into kind of these complex units uh but that had a cap so that you couldn't just like you, this is what stack happens in death. sif 3 you have a stack of death right that just kind of like marches onward right and so you it, it is to me the best realization of the we want the strategic map to be strategic right by planning out your macro moves and making sure your units are in the right positions while at the same time also supporting this kind of core fantasy of i am building different armies with different strengths and weaknesses that have different purposes right so that uh, you know the grand total of my armies right which is going to be about my you know 45 units right four of which are in kind of variously strengthed armies and then maybe i have like a stack of nine that are reserved so that i could replenish on the fly on the field right that to me is more dynamic it's a more complex but it's also a more elegant system uh to get into kind of the strategic aspects of the civilization compared to something uh like civ 5 where your army is on all and only on the strategic map uh, and it is more uh it, it is more kind of contained if that makes sense. Yeah, no, it, it absolutely does. It's funny because it seems like um, like that Civ 6 might actually kind of be moving sort of in that direction with the different, like, um, like you, you've got uh, cores and uh, other ways to variously combine units um, in, into kind of these stacks. And I don't think it's as varied as as, uh, as you're describing uh, Call to Power, but um, it does seem to be like a thing that they're, they're considering to try and, like, build to that point. Um. But yeah, we've already talked about Civ Six, so maybe we should ask about uh, your number two game. Have we discussed your number two? My number two game, I think, was Civ Six. I think we've discussed well, my four games. So I'm on my number one. Are do you, what is your? Do we, we talked. Oh, your number no, two is Dishonored. No, so no. we both have our number ones. No, 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 my number one's already done. I'm done. Oh right. My okay. So the last one. The last one. Uh, my number one. I'm sure uh, this isn't going to surprise anyone. Is uh, Mass Effect Andromeda. 
Not Batman versus Superman. Yeah, yeah, Batman. The Batman versus Superman, part two of uh, uh, of, uh, of this podcast. Um, it's funny. I reference Batman versus Superman more than I do Mass Effect two, and it's the games podcast. <laughs> um, yeah, so Mass Effect Andromeda. I think it also got delayed. It got pushed back until next March. Um, I have been trying my fucking hardest not to get into that. You know, so not to look at it. Not to see anything, not to watch the trailers, but I am a very weak man. Uh, uh, I use portals and I watch trailers of games that uh, uh, you know I don't uh, I don't want to spoil myself for. But uh, you know the, the 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 gist of it is that Mass Effect Andromeda gets us out of you know the Milky Way galaxy where Mass Effects one, two, and three take place, obviously, and. Um, you know, you're part of this kind of Genesis project. If the Reapers are going to destroy the universe, we want to have a contingency plan. They send, uh, you know, this this kind of Noah's Ark ship to the Andromeda galaxy. Um, it is, uh, you know, it's very exploration-based. It's, it's a little bit more uh, kind of open world. Uh, it's got all new characters and everything like that. But, you know, the, you are carrying, uh, you know, you are carrying a big enough... Uh, group that all of the kind of mainstays your krogans your turians your uh, your asari are going to be are there any playable hanar that's, are going that's to be my, coming with you i don't believe there are playable hanar there might be other playable races to be honest um oh I, or uh or elcor i've always wanted to play as an elcor uh unfortunately you can't play as an elcor in mass effect 3 you could play some of those off races you could play like vorcha and um and Volus, play as elcor uh but you could not you are correct you could not play as elcor um so, you know, look, Mass Effect 2 is my favorite game of all time. Uh, Mass Effect 3 is up there. It's in the, you know, is in the top five, I think, um, despite all of the belly aching that goes into, uh, that goes into its ending. Um, so Dragon the- Age Inquisition was, you know, was, was awesome. Uh, I, I love Bioware. Bio, but, but, you know, Bethesda probably has earned, uh, a, you know, Bethesda, Blizzard, these guys are, are, you know, top, top, top tier, uh, in, in my opinion. Like, I very much trust their games. Um, but Bioware is just the, t- is the, you know, the top of the totem pole for me, man. Any, any Bioware game I am down for automatically. Um, what, what where on the timeline does, uh, does 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 this gameplay take place? I'm pretty sure that it is kind of started. I think it started during kind of the the downtime, maybe between. Uh, so the timeline, right, is Mass Effect One. Two years go by. Mass Effect Two. Six months go by. Mass Effect Three. Um. In Mass Effect 1, you know, a Reaper attacks the Citadel. Spoiler alert, I guess, for anybody. A Reaper attacks the Citadel, right? Uh, two years later, the Council doesn't believe that Reapers exist. They think it's all a basically a, a geth uh, conspiracy and that Shepard's crazy. Um, and then at the end of Mass Effect 2, right, there's there's a bunch of DLC in Mass Effect 2. At the end of that, like, that DLC kind of chain, um, Reapers attack the very, very outlying edges of space. Uh, and then Mass Effect 3 basically begins with the full-on Reaper threat uh, coming in. Uh, to my understanding, the Andromeda stuff is a reaction to that, to this Reaper stuff, right? You know, Admiral Hackett, the the, the Alliance, the Council, kind of whoever, uh, are are sending out this this extra space space mission in order to keep, uh, you know, even if the Reapers destroy everything, reset 
the galaxy to 50,000 years ago or whatever, um, it's still, uh, you know, humanity is still going and the Asari is still going and all these other races are still going. So that's where I think it falls on the timeline. Okay. Interesting. Um, I actually know literally nothing about this game. Is, is it is it going to be another Mass Effect style game or is the genre switch uh, significantly? Uh, I don't think I think it is going to be another Mass Effect style game. I think Mass Effect has had a solider core system than something like Dragon Age. I think there are real fundamental, um, like foundational problems uh, with all of really uh, the Dragon Age systems to date. Uh, maybe you could tell me that Dragon Dragon Age Inquisition has pretty solid systems. Um, like I don't have super super hardcore uh, complaints, uh, but I think Dragon Age One, Dragon Age Two, both have um, uh, you know these a, a kind of bedrock of of problems and kind of how they approached the mechanics and the combat. I think that Mass Effect One has problems. Mass Effect Two corrected on that, and all of its systems are solid those core systems are you know grade a um and then mass effect 3 i think improves upon them but doesn't you know it, it is a it is a kind of continuation um like i don't think that it, it is less that that i think uh mass effect 3 is solving mass effect 2's problems and it's more just kind of expanding uh that core system and from everything it seems to be the same kind of principle where you know you are trying to uh, uh, where where the Mass Effect three core systems uh, are being replicated into into Andromeda with iterational uh, improvements rather than like big core upendings of of what goes on. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Do, do, Want to talk a little bit more about why, why you're pumped? Uh, you know, I I am I'm pumped, but I'm also a little bit apprehensive. Um, Obviously, my number one last year was Fallout Four. I hope this this isn't a big curse. Uh, I you know I it's also um, I'm not sure where the story's gonna go. I'm not sure where I'm not. I'm literally not gonna talk about why I'm pumped. I'm gonna talk about why I'm apprehensive. Wow, go me. Uh, the I'm not sure where the story's gonna go, and I'm not sure that the story is going to be kind of a blow you out of the water thing. In the same way that I think uh, you know Mass Effect Two uh, definitely did, and Mass Effect Three was, you know fine on mass effect 2 to me is a home run mass effect 3 is like an rbi you know like it it you know it wasn't quite it wasn't quite amazing uh but it definitely got the job done um and if they are as attentive to characters if they are as committed to arcs uh and to uh uh you know having kind of complex and um rich theming I think that they they will they will be fine. This kind of thing definitely came out in in Inquisition, but to me the biggest part problem with Inquisition is something that it looks as though Mass Effect Andromeda is going to be sharing, which is kind of this exploration, open world uh, kind of focus, right? I think Bioware games are and have been their best when they are very focused, very narrative driven experiences. Um, you're not going to convince me that uh, Bioware is a Bioware is a good 
company at that kind of open open ended open world stuff. I think that they're I think that that stuff is average, and that their their single story, their single narrative, right? That like kind of is the you know is the driving engine. Um, but when you average those two things together, right, over a sixty hour playthrough, how much of that playthrough is going to be kind of like wasted on quote unquote average stuff, right? How much of it feels like a content muncher? You know, uh, where to use kind of like the adage, right? Like the pages of your, of a, like, you know, you're reading like a really like page turner kind of book, right? Uh, but the pages are stuck together and how frustrating that experience can kind of be. And, and so I fear uh, that Mass Effect is going to be the same thing, right? Uh, Mass Effect 1 had aspects of this and they corrected on that in Mass Effect 2 by making it hub-based. Um, and, and, and making it hub-based, I think, works because... You know, you still have side quests and everything like that, but, like, you you cut down on the, you know, on the kind of bullshit uh, busy work, I guess. Um, all of those side quests are story-driven. All of the side quests, most of the side quests, in something like Inquisition, in something like Dragon Age 2, um, are, are, are story-driven. I think that that's, I don't know, I think that's, uh, that's, like, the big danger. That's the big hurdle to get over. Yeah, no, I... I... Uh, that sounds that sounds like uh, well-founded fears. Um, um, yeah, I don't know. I, I see. It's 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 tough for me to be like relentlessly positive about this kind of thing because uh, so much of that really depends. So much of it depends on on how well they're. And because it's like it, it's such a reboot, right? Everything is kind of starting over from scratch. That um, you know, I trust that I trust that the Bioware team is going to consider. Uh, the consider the the characters that they create and the 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 arcs and the plots that they that they do well, right? But I have no idea what that will necessarily look like, um, uh, because I don't know. I haven't seen anything that's like, oh, this is you know, this is the shepherd, and he is driven by you know X, Y, and Z, and the tension is between whether or not he wants to be ruthless, right, and pessimistic or idealistic, um, but also a little bit naive, right? Um, I I don't know that 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 stuff is. Uh, it's it it has yet to be it has yet to be seen. Yeah, I mean, well, we will see in March. Do you? Right? I mean, you don't have much of a history with. Uh, I feel like you don't have much of a history with these Bioware games. You oh, obviously don't oh, have the history so, that I do because they were so transformative, kind of for my. Uh, so like, so it's it's funny you say that because the most probably single the single most transformative game of my gaming career was in fact a Bioware game. Um, uh, also, Black Isle was turned into an Obsidian game. Um, that would be Baldur's Gate. <laughs> Um, mm -hmm. And that game really shaped my kind of uh, gaming career in a lot of ways. Um, I don't have the same relationship with the modern games. I played Mass Effect 2 one and a half times. Um, I played Mass Effect 1 once, and I never got to 3. Um, there's just, like, I there, there's some stuff in the middle there. Like, I, I, I lost my save file. On, so I played 2 on launch. Um... I, then I went back and I played through one and I played through, started playing through two in anticipation of three and uh, I, I lost my save file halfway through. So I just never restarted all of that. And, uh, mm -hmm. um, so I never really cared as much. I also, I don't know, I, I have, uh, I have mixed feelings about, um, about those, those games. I, I don't think they're, they're, they're poor 
by by any means. But I also, um, I don't know. You don't but, think that they're God's gift to gaming? No, <laughs> I don't. I, I don't think that. I I think there are very few games that are that. Um, like there's like Bastion, um, and mm, I don't know. Maybe uh, I'm not. Even, I'm not. I'm not going to go with any other ones. But ba- Bastion, I am very comfortable saying. Um, is, is one of the best experiences I've, I've, I've ever had, but, um, I don't know. I, I am interested in this kind of from like a distance. So, so the thing about Mass Effect 2 that kind of really, this is kind of like started, started on, the, it's one of the first games in this trend where like, um, like kind of the modern age of DLC, I don't like so much because a lot of, like, it feels like in order to play a game properly, you need to actually wait, like, a year or two after the game comes out to get all the DLC to get the full experience. Like, um, Mass Effect 2 is probably the only game I've tried to play through a second time to get that DLC experience, uh, along with the the first one. I think it's part of this because, like, um, in old, older games, expansion packs were either side campaigns or they were end-game content. They, were, they weren't all usually a lot of things that, like, we're peppered in the middle, but that's what a lot of DLC is. It's like augmented adventures along the way in the game, so you kind of have to restart. Mm-hmm. Um, you and, know, interestingly, well, I'll let you finish. Uh, I was just gonna say, like, I think Mass Effect Two really started that trend for me of like not want, like, kind of wanting to hold off because, like, I so I when I played through the Mass Effect Two the second time, I I. Uh, I actually lost my save around the time that I finished the Shadow Broker DLC. And that was amazing. And I felt that it made the game a lot better. Um, but I also feel like... I, I feel like in, 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 a, in a way that that, like, kind of invalidated my first playthrough. Um, in, in terms of, like... Like, there was so much that I had to do again. Um, it was a far enough distance out that it wasn't that bad. But, like, the, like I, I just don't like like the idea of having to play through, like... 80% of the game twice to get 20% of what is usually good content. Um, and so, like, for, for Andromeda, right, like, that's another game where I'm, I'm probably going to wait a while and uh, wait for the DLC cycle to end, right? Like, uh, I Fair might enough. get back into Witcher 3 now that all that that's all out. Um, that yeah, I, ha- you know, I, have, I, have complicated, uh, I have complicated thoughts on this as well. I definitely see where you're coming from, and I definitely agree that it's not... <sighs> You know, it's really not a straightforward uh, question to answer, unfortunately. Um, Mass Effect 2, I think, has good DLC and bad DLC. Well, good DLC and okay DLC. I don't think it really anything in that game is, like, altogether, like, super god-awful or anything like that. But um, I also think that Bioware typically does a good job at keeping its DLC tangential to what's going on right what what always bugs what bugs me in certain kinds of or like certain aspects of dlc is when something feels truly transformative to the game or to the uh uh, story that i'm i'm getting um whereas uh i i feel like the bioware stuff they're always kind of almost like side concerns and vignettes um into things that would 
you know, that, that are related, right? It, it sure. is, yeah. you know, it's obviously, it's obviously a thing that makes sense for you and Liara to team up to go take down the Shadow Broker. And they set that up in the main game, right? You don't have to play the Shadow Broker DLC to see the setup and to, like, you know, to want something, I guess, out of that. Um, but at the same time, I think you can also kind of complete the game main game without that DLC experience. Um, and, and you have kind of the full, you have the full pictures. It's a little bit like watching, you know, it's a little bit like watching a good movie and then watching a good movie with the deleted scenes inserted, right? I think the Lord of the Rings theatrical cuts are all great movies. I think they're fantastic films. Uh, and I think that the expended the extended editions are even better and that there's, you know, a lot more to kind of chew on, right? But it's not like, I don't know. See, uh, see the thing that bothers me about it is like, you know, Lord of the Rings are like two hours and the extended editions are like th like like three, if uh, on, on, sure. like, you know, round numbers, right? Um, Mass Effect is not a short game, right? Or like, and even, even oh if, yeah, hey, listen, definitely, I I like, totally get that. If I've got enough time to play this game through once, I want to play it through at its most complete form. Um, I don't want to feel like I've missed out on on it. Um, you know, a year later when all this great DLC that everybody raves about comes out, um, be like, I don't want to go through you know, uh, of this now twenty four hour game, I don't want to go through twenty of the same hours. Yeah, no, definitely. I think that uh, I definitely think that that makes uh, another that makes sense. I also think that you know, to a certain extent, I think I wish it was a little bit easier to kind of just like pick up and play the DLC from the save that I have. Yes, uh, I, Skyrim. I, Skyrim is actually a pretty good example of this, or some or the, the Fallout DLC, uh, like Fallout New Vegas, Fallout Three, both had DLC uh, that was like this. I mean, same thing with Skyrim, right? Where the DLC that came in was. It was it was an expansion and it was a furthering of everything that you had kind of already done. Um, the New Vegas DLC is probably some of the best. You get like this core experience, right? And then you get these four DLC packs that each of them raises the level cap by five. They introduce new perks, you know, new content and all that, all of this other kind of stuff. Um, and you um, uh, you you can pick it up at your max level character. That, that has just finished and move on to this new story without getting lost, kind of. But I think you're right, which is where, like, you know, if I beat the, if I beat Mass Effect, if I kill the, you know, if I beat Mass Effect 2, if I kill the uh, fledgling Reaper, um, it feels weird picking up the DLC and going to the Shadow Broker or going to kind of whatever else. Um, you kind of almost want to take those things in stride, um, which it's kind of, that, that, that to me is kind of like the core of, uh, of where this complaint kind of falls short. You know what I mean? Like that's where I think the DLC falls short when it comes to these kinds of games. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Uh, that said, I also think that there are, like I said, that I think there are bad versions. Like, for instance, I think Deus Ex Human Revolution kind of has, like, the Batman vs. Superman syndrome of, uh, you know, the original release of the game is, uh, you know, you, you, you definitely get it, but it has some problems, and then you come out with the director's cut, and, oh, you, you know, like, it, it the, the, the director's cut re-release of that game um, and the, the changes that they made to that game aren't about expanding on or giving you these extra vignettes uh, that kind of 
you know, about like fixing mini, the boss fights. Yeah, it was about it was about fixing it was about fixing problems and smoothing it over. And I think and look, I you know, I don't want to disparage uh, I don't want to disparage uh, Deus Ex uh, Human Revolution. I think that game is um, I think that game is largely great, and I think it does so much that's just really, really good. But, you know, I can't help but... yeah. There, there's a version of me that goes back and replays Mass Effect 2 and doesn't bother with the DLC, right? Or I pick and choose uh, some of the DLC to play, some of the DLC not to play. There is no version of me that goes back to play the release version of Deus Ex Human Revolution. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Um, but I guess we're, are we at time? It yeah, like we're, we're, at, time. We're, at, we're at time. Um, uh, we didn't get to, you know, we, we gave her shout out last week. We didn't get to talk about the Skyrim re-release again. Oh, fuck. Shit. Uh, well, I forgot about it. Uh, you know, I'm sure, I'm sure when we play it in two weeks, we'll have plenty to talk about. So you can just wait until then, uh, dear listeners. Um, until then, if you want to email us and tell us what you're hyped for, you can email us at somedervisplaygames at gmail.com. You can watch us on Twitch at some uh, twitch.tv slash games. You'll follow us on Facebook and Twitter and comment everywhere, and it'll be great. I'll put all the links in the description. Um, buddy, did you have anything else that you wanted to, to promote? I do not have anything else that I want to promote. Um, we have some interesting podcast topics coming up in the future, uh, especially because uh, we, uh, we would like to... Uh, uh, well, I don't really know how much I want to say about this. But we have some cool topics coming up in the future that I don't quite want to spoil. Um, but I think it's going to be pretty cool. It's going to be a longer-running series of hours. Uh, and, yeah, uh, I don't know. I think that's it. Yeah. Uh, until next time, dear listeners. Until next time, loyal listeners. <laughs>